0: All right, it is week 15 reaction for first and moose Connor Taylor Mark Schoenster. How'd you do in fantasy this week, Mark? Did you end up or how's it going? I guess since there could still be time.
1: Um, well, unless Deontay Johnson gets like 300 yards and three touchdowns tonight, I'm in the championship game, I got uh 160 points. So I had a pretty great game. I had both David Montgomery and Dalvin Cook, and those two kind of duelled, uh, du- duked it out. Stefan Diggs did real well for me. Um, Lamar Jackson got a good amount of points. Uh, I had uh, Noah Fant caught a touchdown, so I had a pretty great week uh, fantasy wise. And my opponent, who was the number one seed, kind of had some duds drop this week. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, uh, or two that didn't really blow up yeah. the stat sheet. Um, so, unless Deontay Johnson, who hasn't been able to catch the past few weeks, suddenly decides to take over the Bengals game, I'm in the, I'm in the championship finals. So, very good for me. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm in. Unless, unless something – actually, I think it's on. I think it's done. I don't think there's anyone left on either side. But starting Tannehill over Russell Wilson won me it. So if I decided go. to if I decided to stick with Russell Wilson, I, I would not be in the championship. There you I, go. I was I, was, I was, it was close. I, I wanted to I wanted to to ride with Wilson, but I'm glad I didn't now. So, yeah, Tannehill
1: you know, did had a ton of points yeah, yesterday.
0: He went off. So again, I'll be debating Tannehill and Russell Wilson. <laughs> so it's I think I can win but I think it's going to come down to a couple decisions. And there's people on my opponent's team that are hot right now, like Josh Allen and David Montgomery. So I'm a little nervous.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would say Jets... you followed uh, Manny's and I's advice <laughs> yesterday to start yeah. Tannehill over uh, over Wilson. So yeah. panned out good, good for you, and it makes us look good. So Some you important
0: know, advice, for sure.
1: Wins all around.
0: <laughs> but the Jets won, Mark. They oh did goodness. it. They... They changed the future of the NFL
1: for a while. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to put it. They also um, were the only negatives as far as my fantasy team were yesterday on the topic. I had both the Rams defense and Matt Gay, the Rams kicker, who ended up getting 10 points, so I'm fine with that. But the Rams defense uh, gave me two points because some of my strategy these past few weeks were, unless I had a really good kicker or defense, the, the strategy was is get the two people playing the Jets. <laughs> and it was working really well. But then this week the, the Rams, I mean, man, the internet crumbled last night because it is such an odd scenario where both teams are absolutely floored and struck and and upset beyond relief due to this result the Rams are the, are the team to, to give the, the jets a win. Like how embarrassing is that? How awful is that a playoff team doing that upset of the year. And then the jets have squandered their chance at what many consider a generational quarterback. Now the jets have a lot of issues and they do have Sam Darnold, but like it was crazy to see because just everyone was unhappy and who knows here's the deal we don't know anything yet because remember there was a time when Sam Darnold was like was considered almost like Trevor Lawrence because he had a great season uh, at USC he gave them a Rose Bowl victory then his next year he had a little more he had a, had a few more issues shown which let Baker Mayfield hop him as the number 1 quarterback in the draft class which meant it fell to the Jets who were thinking about Darnold before that anyway and you never know who is and who isn't going to pan out because i mean Jamarcus Russell was the number one overall pick and he tore it up at LSU and then proceeded to be awful uh, in Oakland. Well, they were then at Oakland. And on top of that, so it's hard. And I understand though, that uh, Trevor Lawrence is a little different. Trevor Lawrence is kind of hailed along the lines of like Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning coming out of college where they just, they just have all the, the skill sets necessary But regardless of if he was going to go to the Jaguars or the Jets, those teams weren't going to win immediately with them there. And so what what I was looking at, I'm trying to think of it from the positive side for the Jets. Now don't draft a quarterback and get Sewell. Because I think that if you could bulk up that O-line, you already got Makai Beckton in this last draft. You could have a great, great tackle pairing and just uh, go from there. And either it works with Sam Darnold or B, you find another quarterback in another draft class or you plug in later. I mean, I don't know. The Jets fans are despairing because they missed out on Trevor Lawrence, but the Jets have a lot of other problems right now. And quite frankly, I was a little worried that Trevor Lawrence, given some of the reports, I don't know if he would have done it. I don't know who Trevor Lawrence is. I don't know him personally, obviously but I had fears that maybe he'd pull on Eli Manning and stay away from the Jets and just say, I wouldn't play for you guys. I think Jacksonville is a much better place for Lawrence personally. I think the organization is not one of the best in the NFL, but they're better than the Jets. And you're outside of that critical New York media. You're in a pretty chill place in Jacksonville. You're not far from Clemson, honestly. So you're going to have a lot of fans carry over from Clemson to to Jacksonville. And I think they're going to be a little more patient with you and a little more, a little more accepting of a bad season out of the gate than, than Jets fans or, or New York media will be. Um, obviously, as a Colts fan, I don't like the idea of having to play Trevor Lawrence for, for two games every year for who knows how long. But there's a lot to, indul- to intake here. And I'll, my thoughts kind of bounced around everywhere uh, yesterday. But all in all, wow, the Rams of all teams. That's just crazy. I, I could keep talking, but I think I think I've said my part about this.
0: I think an important thing you do have to think about is that I know the the light at the end of the tunnel was kind of hey, we're getting Trevor Lawrence after this awful year for the Jets fans, and that they're probably getting rid of Adam Gase as mm-hmm. well as was the light at the I end of the tunnel. But I looked through it till 2015. I didn't really count 2020. So as like the last five years of drafting quarterbacks, because 2020 got Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert. And I to—I don't think the jury's out. We've got time to decide. Mm-hmm. 2019, Kyler Murray, number one overall. I'd say all that class, you you were followed by Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Will Greer. I think it's Kyler Murray. We can agree that yeah, he was the best. Pretty player. easy. 2018, Baker Merrifield, Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Not the best one went number one overall. No. 2017, Trubisky, the famous year with Mahomes and Watson falling on them. 2016, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. Then you got Dak Prescott, which you could argue is better than both of them. I think I'm fine Mm -hmm. with someone saying that. Yeah. And then 2015 is kind of a weird year. You got Winston and Mariota, really. Yeah, that was a weird year. It's not the biggest deal. They're not getting the number one pick and getting their – Lawrence it does kind of hurt because it does feel like the first big QB since Andrew Luck that people feel like this is like a for sure quarterback mm. but I think there you can still have some positive and say hey we're not there's still a good shot we can find a QB that's being overlooked yeah and this is a really deep quarterback class too mm-hmm. you've got a lot of guys you got Zach
1: Wilson after um, Trevor Lawrence You've got Trey Lance from, I think, North Dakota State or yeah. South Dakota State, one of the two. The same, It's the same school Carson Wentz went to, if I remember correctly. Um, you've got Justin Fields, whom I'm a little shaky about, but uh, that, that's a totally different kind of conversation. You've got um, uh, there, uh, Kyle Trask from Florida mm-hmm. is another guy that a lot of people like. And I'm getting into areas where I'm less uh, familiar. But regardless, it's a deep quarterback class, and the Jets – could still draft someone in the second round if they so desire, or they could, if they really, really like someone, draft second overall. But here's my thought: I think Sam Darnold can still be salvaged. It could still be a good quarterback. He has flashes. I think he's been ruined. I think he's been ruined by his coaching, but it may not be too late. And the reason why I was okay with the with the uh, the Jets drafting Trevor Lawrence is because Trevor Lawrence is just that good. That you you take him and you say goodbye to Sam Darnold but I don't know if any of these other quarterbacks uh, are in that category. Like we said, Trevor Lawrence is what is Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning level kind of talent. And so I, I think you can roll with Sam Darnold and just work on building the team around you. And then if a better option comes, you could take it. But I also think that the Jets need to get an offensive minded coach in there and let uh, Darnold actually have a genuine chance at, a growing as a quarterback because I think Adam Gase has absolutely stunted him, and maybe even worse has harmed his development. And maybe someone like Joe Brady or Eric Bieniemy can come in and amend that and help. There are some decent re- receivers now. Denzel Mims has proven to be pretty good. jameson Crowder has always been a solid target. This team, offensively, especially if they get Sewell in the first round, could grow in years time. And it could grow with Sam Darnold. Excuse me. It's just a matter of you got to get that coach. And I mean, the fact that Adam Gase is still there is is a uh, crazy. I guess I should share this quote. Uh, and I thought it was pretty funny. I read it yesterday, and it said, "Um, just when you thought couldn't, just when you thought Adam Gase couldn't get any worse, he got better,
0: which is worse." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. that is that is really funny. The the Jets, the, the thing that hurts them in in coaching is that people are probably going to be drawn to Trevor Lawrence and that idea mm-hmm. between uh, hiring in Jacksonville and hiring in New York, which is going to hurt them a little bit. But I think if the Jets can find possibly their Sean McVay compared to their, I guess we'll compare Gase to Fisher with Jared Goff. I think we could see a leap from Darnold if, That There's a possibility there. Obviously, like you said, if it's the development, if that's done it, that's very bad. But, I mean, hopefully it's not the the biggest issue. Hopefully it just, you know, is hiding the the diamond in the rough situation. But we'll we'll have to wait and see how it it forms out. But definitely had to be painful for Jets fans yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. But for a while, Mark, the the Colts lost to the Jaguars – looks like one of the, probably the best loss of the year, (laughs) keeping away Lawrence from your division for years to come. But we'll we'll have to see if, you know, the Jaguars pull off another win or whatnot. Anyways, what normally would be the headliner if the Jets hadn't had one would have been Chief Saints. Mm -hmm. And do you think both of these teams can be happy after this game, Mark? Um...
1: I think the chiefs can you, you went to new Orleans and got to win. Um, I think the answer for the saints is a little strange. I don't know if I can give a yes or no answer to that. So I might as well dive into what my notes were, cause this was my game to watch. And and then I can, that'll help better add uh, context to how I feel about uh, this new Orleans saints team and how I feel they should be uh, responding to, to this issue. Um, so first off, it was a rough start for the Saints. Drew Brees definitely showed uh, some wear, some rust uh, coming out of the gate, and, and, you know, just missing some throws, not quite on timing, threw a pick. It was not good. You don't want to turn the ball over against the Chiefs. You don't want to give them more scoring opportunities. That's just, a, that's a no-no. Um, it, it looked to me kind of like a playoff game these two teams are very good and you might say, well, duh, but these are two good teams and they played, they, they were playing at a level where both have their weapons that the other team had to game plan to stop, which then led to my next note, which was this game came down to execution. It came down to which team was able to execute and perform better on, in more instances. And that ended up being the chiefs. The chiefs ended up executing more plays on offensive defense than the saints did. And there are moments where both slipped up the Saints could have recovered uh, a touchdown right at the end of the f- second quarter to tie the game up, just ran sporadically and go into halftime off the fumble, but instead it was a safety. Uh, the, Tyron Matthew could have picked off Drew Brees in the end zone when the Saints were driving down the field one time and he didn't. Um, and that resulted in a touchdown for the Saints. So things like that, that those are what playoff games are like. It's about execution. Um, it was about whose pieces work better uh, at the end of the day. Um. I would like to say um, before I get to the last thing, and I think the most important thing of this game, uh, first off I do worry about the run game for Kansas city at times it worked today, but they default to pass. And I understand why you've got Patrick Mahomes and you've got all these weapons, but this team, I don't know if I can trust this team to run the ball if they need to run the ball. And that could be something that could hurt them in the playoffs. I don't know. It, th- their passing game may be so good that they don't need it, but for most playoff teams, that would be a huge concern. Um, two, or uh, one person I wanted to shout out was Trey Henderson for the Saints. He had a, a mammoth of a game. He was great. He was, he was bullying the left side of the Chiefs offensive line the entire game, had made some great plays, helped force the fumble on Patrick Mahomes and had some other great moments as well. Uh, just shout out to him, great game. And then I had a question before I get to my last point, and that was why wasn't Kamara more involved in this football game? Um, you, you had a couple wide receivers out, including Michael Thomas, and your star then on the field is Alvin Kamara. So why didn't you try and utilize him more? He didn't seem to have issues running the ball. They didn't seem to stuff him too often, and he scored a touchdown, ricocheting off of defender after defender. I, I thought that he should have been more involved in that game, and I hope the Saints see that going forward because that's kind of how it is sometimes with the Saints is I, I do wonder why Kamara it gets so uninvolved randomly in, in certain games. I think that he should be one of their main pieces just about every single game with how talented he is. But that brings me to my last point. It's these two things about this game. The Saints can beat the Chiefs. I think we, we knew that, but this could confirm it, which is why I think the Saints cannot be happy with this game for two reasons. One, Breeze played a bad game. I don't know if it was just a bad game or if it's because he came off injury that he just wasn't quite ready, but he didn't have a good game. But on top of that, the reason partially he didn't have a bad game was because so many wide receivers are out and were hurt. They had to have three practice squad guys activated for this game. And then Trey Smith, one of their regular starters also got hurt during the game and they didn't have Michael Thomas. So breeze was working with Emmanuel Sanders and a bunch of nobodies. And so I pitied him because they, Tony Romo and, and the broadcast pointed out several times but that wide receiving group didn't get separation they weren't able to win matchups and that resulted in Breeze having to make some tight throws or not make the throw at all and check down or stuff like that made the game really hard for him a healthy Saints team with Michael Thomas can beat the Chiefs and they even kept up with the Chiefs today and for that matter I think the Saints should be upset because this puts them another game behind Green Bay and the uh, number one seed race.
0: I thought the Saints kind of didn't play to their identity. I get you need to take shots to beat the Chiefs, but the Saints to me are just kind of a dink and dunk team. Very short mm-hmm. yardage plays and kind of let their weapons, like Kamara, do his job and make people miss. And I know Michael Thomas wasn't there. But he's going to be someone that short yards plays, makes people miss, gets more yards after the catch, basically. And it seemed like they're taking more shots than I thought necessarily they needed to or didn't seem like a, a Saints way of playing, which I understand I think you need to take shots to beat them. But I honestly think you should stick to your identity as a Saints team, which I think should try to control the tempo more. and then Yeah, go
1: ahead, go ahead.
0: On the other side, when you're saying sometimes uh, with the Chiefs throwing the ball so often, they run their offense like I play Madden, Mark. And I don't <laughs> think that's the best thing in the world. And I get they have the talent to do it. But I don't play Madden in, in a very smart and calculated way. I like to throw it a lot. I don't like to run. And sure, it, it doesn't work most of the time. But I'm just waiting for one to two, three big open place and then I, yeah. win a, I win a football game and that's how they're playing real football which is crazy to me
1: yeah no Patrick Mahomes runs around the pocket like me and Madden as well <laughs> so I could totally get the like and he just waits for a receiver to to break off his route and just run straight and then you know I see him and I huck it and, and in a way that I used to laugh I was like a quarterback couldn't make that throw <laughs> but then Patrick Mahomes came into the fray and does it in real life so that's pretty insane um but on your first note, as far as Kamara and how to beat the Chiefs, I kind of – I slightly disagree. I don't know if you want to start – you want to shoot – go go, blow for blow with the Saints in an explosive place because I think you're just going to lose. I think that the way to beat the, the Chiefs is to run the football and to, and to dink and dunk kind of like the Saints do, which is why it's even more confusing to me that they didn't do that given that is how they typically run their offense. I mean, think about, think about the, Ra- the Raiders. The only team to beat the Chiefs this year did it on the back of Josh Jacobs and a couple of good throws of Derek Carr to mix it up. But in, in the end, run, play, action. So Titans, <laughs> I hope you're watching, taking notes, except you won't because you'll do it anyway, no matter who you're playing. But uh, run, play, action. That's, I feel like that's such a huge way to beat the Chiefs and, and controlling the clock, keeping it slow. And then I'll point out a second team and I don't try to be biased here. But the Chiefs now have, what is it, 28 straight games where they score 20-plus points, which is pretty crazy to me. Do you want to know the last team who held them under 20 points? It was the Indianapolis Colts last season on Sunday Night Football, with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback in Kansas City, held them to 13 points, and that's because Marlon Mack ran for 140-something yards, and the Colts dominated time of possession, so... That's how you're going to beat Kansas City, in my opinion, is you've got to run the ball. You've got to eat out that time of possession. The Chiefs, I feel, they score four or five times a game. And it doesn't matter how many drives they get. They're going to get that many scores, just about. So my thought process is, and, and then typically outside of that, they're falling flat. So my thought process is, Give them only four to five possessions the entire game. And if they score on all of them, you lose. If you get some stops on them, your defense is well-rested, you win. There you go. Make the game your game. Play, play like Bill Belichick, if you're going to be honest. It, the, Bill Belichick was the master of long, meticulous drives. And games against the Patriots in the, in the Patriots' prime were always different than playing any other team in the NFL because you knew you only got like five or six chances to to score on an offense. And then their defense was good enough off the bench, fresh to make those stops and and give the New England Patriots the win. And I feel like that's how you're going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs because I feel like if you're going to go for blow for blow with them and try to go into a shootout, you're, you're in for trouble. You're, you're going to lose because the Chiefs are just too good at it. I think some people have been recently hyping up the Buffalo Bills and saying maybe they can beat the Chiefs. I don't think the Bills have what it takes to beat the Chiefs because going bow for bow is all they can really do unless they, I guess, utilize a a dink and dunk with Stephon Diggs, who's pretty good at playing possession receiver. Like people sometimes think he's just a deep threat, but in Buffalo, he's turned into a huge just 10-yard catch, 10-yard catch, 10-yard catch kind of guy. But, but outside of that, I'm just rambling now. I'm just trying to theorize how does one beat the Chiefs, and I feel like shooting out with them is not the option.
0: I was, I was going to ask if you thought the Bills were a team to shoot out with them, because I feel like that's kind of their their play style, but you just got your answer there. Yeah. So you don't believe in them. Do you think, I guess, if there's a team to – Try to go blow for blow. Is it the Bills? Would they be your your best shot team? Or is there a different team that you think could possibly go blow for blow? Even though you don't think that's the way to beat them?
1: You're gonna like my answer. I think the Green Bay Packers, because Aaron Rodgers is playing. Aaron Rodgers is the only guy statistically outperforming Patrick Mahomes right now. So this year with Devontae Adams and some of the and, and Aaron Jones. I think the Packers are probably the only team in the NFL that could in theory go blow for blow for the chiefs. But even then, I think the chiefs are better at going blow for blow. I mean, look at their roster. They're crazy, but I I think the Packers are probably, they're the team that maybe, like, (laughs) and this, this is pretty brutal. If one in every like six games, and each of the games were contractually required to be like shootouts. I think the Packers <laughs> could beat the Chiefs one every 6 days in that regard. The Chiefs are just so unbeatable when you let them just fire on all cylinders. You have too many things to worry about.
0: I think the Packers would be a good one. I just I think Matt LaFleur likes running the ball a mm-hmm. lot in setting up play action. And that's good. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, I don't have any work. I'm not mad about it, but I don't think he would be someone to try to go blow for blow with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But f- I really honestly want to see the Bills and Chiefs in the playoffs because I think they're going to be fun. To go, I think they're going to try to go blow for blow with the Chiefs, which will excite me. I'm not, I don't think it'll work like you because I think Josh Allen is too mistake prone at the end of mm-hmm. the day. But I think it would be a very exciting matchup. You mentioned yeah. the Colts, though. Colts-Texans game. Jonathan Taylor is starting to do really good. And I feel like you got to feel good about that. And it wasn't a dominant performance on the scoreboard, by any means. But what were, what were some takeaways you had from that game?
1: <laughs> well, I would like to point out uh, something that I think is pretty amusing. And that's the the fact that um, it's pretty much – the exact same game, a second time in a row, (laughs) a different facet. The the two games now, there are some differences, but obviously that happens with football, but the final score of the first game was 26 to 20. And the final score of this game was 27 to 20. And they both resulted in the Texans fumbling the ball with 30 seconds left in the game inside the Colts five to lose the game. So it's pretty hilarious. It's a, it, it was the same game. It, the exact same thing happened again. This time around, I'm a little more happy though, because although some people will say it was outright luck that the Colts beat the Texans the first time around because of the botched snap, there apparently uh, Grover Stewart, the Colts D tackle was trying a different pressure for like the last like four snaps of that drive to mess up their center and it seemed like it worked, but still there's, there's, there's an ounce of luck involved in that where even though the center had to deal with something new and was frazzled because of it, he still had to make the bad snap. So kind of lucky in this game. The, the game was tied with like six minutes to go and Phillip rivers and the Colts for one of the rare times this season, had to drive and score on that drive and that drive alone. I would say the Packers game, they had to drive and score a couple of times in that second half. But this was a moment where it was like, you know, the time is now. The time is right now. You've got to go and score or else Deshaun Watson, who has the momentum, is going to go and take the lead. And the Colts drove down methodically, had a penalty push them back to make it like second and 20. And then we completed a 40-yard pass to T.Y. Hilton to put us back in the range for a touchdown. And then we scored. That's huge because we get to see that out of this team they were composed. I hadn't gotten to see that yet this season. And then secondly, I felt more happy about this game because that forced fumble was Colts defense enforced. It wasn't just some sort of luck thing. Darius Leonard got his arm in there and punched it out. He saw the opportunity and, and the Colts got the football. So overall happy 10 win season, great stuff for Indy. I'm looking forward to the playoffs because I think this team, I think this team can upset some people and, um, they could lose to anybody, but I think they also have all the the pieces it takes to, to upset most teams in the NFL when the playoffs come around.
0: At this time, Titans-Colts, a rematch. Who are you leaning on?
1: <sighs> That's a really good game. And I think I said this when we got blown out by the Titans. I want another bite at them. I want another rematch. As a Colts fan, I feel like it's going to happen in some capacity i don't i I just really hope it does um i don't know who i take that is i i mean that's close to 50 50 in the playoffs that i think one can come up with the only reason i maybe lean the colts is because hopefully deforest buckner is healthy for that game unlike he was against the titans a couple weeks ago he had three sacks yesterday against deshaun watson Mm -hmm. um and he had like an injured foot too. Like he had to force himself to play. Um, and then the Colts defense makes plays, the Titans defense does not. And so I think I give the edge to the Colts, and I'm trying to sound as rational about this as possible and not sound like some sort of fanboy. But I just, that's what I genuinely think. But that game is pretty, pretty darn close because then on the other side, I, no one is as fearsome as Derrick Henry on that Colts offense, but it's more than a one man game. So, I mean, you can teeter either way there. I mean, I can't blame you for picking either team and I certainly won't blame anyone who thinks the Titans are better. But man, if that's a playoff game, that's going to be one to watch because both the regular season games are blowouts and I think both teams are ready to settle the score.
0: And I, I have a sneaking suspicion
1: that that game's going to happen.
0: I hope it does as well. I won't be as tense as, it, as you would be, <laughs> but I think I, I lean Colts as well in this moment of time, I know that it's been kind of a up and down year. I'd say more for the, for the Titans and the Colts because the Titans are just their highs are very high and their lows mm-hmm. are very low. Unlike the Colts have had some lows, but I don't think it's compared to where the, the Titans have fluctuated this season, but I, I honestly hope it happens. And I think I lean Colts like you said, because that defense can make some plays, even though Derek Henry is a really scary man. I, I think <laughs> they're the, scary. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to go with defense in the playoffs overall. So, but we can take a quick break and we'll be
2: right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone, and their mother seems like they have a podcast today. Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult. I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm to get started.
0: And we are back. I pay attention to the Seahawks football team matchup and while i was watching it seahawks took a 20 to 3 lead and they were they're playing very well at that point i don't think the highest point the seahawks can't play but i started thinking what does washington football team need to make that leap because i think they've got some crucial pieces there that like their front seven, like Chase Young, that are game changers, that are franchise-changing players, that they they have a foundation that can build. And honestly, having someone like Scary Terry, the fact that you've got a reliable wide receiver already is very good. I think they need – I want to say running back, but running backs, I fall on the side that they're not the most valuable people and that you mm-hmm. can kind of find them wherever. So I'm not going to say that's a top need. I still think it's quarterback and I wanted to throw two options out there for you. Even though Dwayne Haskins did look better yesterday and brought probably a little bit more comfort to football fans, but I don't think it's enough comfort to say, Hey, this is our guy. If you had to trade for Carson Wentz or Sam Darnold, who'd you go for? I don't think either of these would probably happen, but I think they're kind of fun because there's not, both of them aren't super exciting, but also there's some excitement because they're they're weird.
1: Yeah, I this is an interesting question because those aren't the two names I that I thought were gonna come out of your mouth. Because you've got Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan and other guys floating around out there that might that might be able to propel this team, but those are two interesting ones. For me, I lean towards Sam Darnold financially. One reason, because he's not making uber money right now, like Carson Wentz is. But secondly, you know, oh, whoops, there goes my mic. Um, But secondly, I think that um, Sam Darnold is still more trainable than Carson Wentz. He's He's a little, he's a smidge younger. And I think that he also won't get hurt as much as Carson Wentz gets hurt. And so I I just, I worry about that injury side of Carson Wentz. And I worry about the idea of taking him in, especially with how much he's going to cost and then him just getting hurt. And then you're stuck with Dwayne Haskins or Alex Smith again.
0: I, the reason I kind of thought Carson Wentz was originally just throughout the name when i was sitting there watching it which is uh especially since it's they're in the same division i doubt it would ever happen and the eagles are in such a weird position and also i don't know why the football team would want that contract i just thought is there any team that's willing to take a chance on on wins again if there's trade suitors i thought possibly the football team is one of the only ones out there t- to me there's there's not a ton that are going to be willing to take on that contract if the eagles move forward which who knows what they'll decide on i know you lean towards them holding on to him and wait and see if he can have another shot at this but i don't think there's many other teams besides the football team but you brought up two interesting names matthew stafford matt ryan who'd you go with there
1: for them for the washington football team yeah um I mean, they both have a lot of money on their name. So it's really just about who I think is the better quarterback. And I'd love to see Matthew Stafford get a shot. I think Matthew Stafford is underrated and I like Matt Ryan a lot. I think Matt Ryan is a pretty great quarterback and I, I have a lot of respect for Matt Ryan, but Matthew Stafford does some crazy stuff. And I think that he goes overlooked of all the time because he plays for a terrible franchise and I, I pity Matthew Stafford a lot. I'm sure you do too, getting to watch him. You get to watch, it and it's fun, I imagine, as a Packers fan, because you get to watch and admire him, but still beat him every time anyway. <laughs> and so you just kind of get the best of both worlds. You're like, man, it's a great thing. He plays on a terrible football team. And so I'd I'd like to see Matt Stafford get, get a chance with a good defense and some cool pieces. And Ron Rivera is his head coach, a real solid coach, something he's never really had. Jim Caldwell was all right. He was he was, he was was the bare minimum. And that was during the, the golden age of the Lions since Matthew Stafford's been there. And um, I think having a guy like Ron Rivera, I think Matthew Stafford would love to just have things happen to the team without them being a direct product of his efforts. So <laughs> uh, I think Matt Stafford would be great uh, in Washington.
0: Because... I don't think the football team needs some star quarterback. I think they need a competent quarterback. I think Stafford, you could argue, is close to a star quarterback on a on a really just bad organization. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they need a star quarterback. I think they this year they could have got nine ten wins if they just had a competent quarter, quarterback.
2: I a think consistent the, quarterback, yeah, consistent. Year, yeah.
0: Honestly, a Kirk Cousins could have got them nine or ten wins which is kind of funny but i think Kirk cousins could have got this team nine or ten wins but just looking at this game in general like i said they they got out to that lead and then it started creeping back in which i was like why why is this happening why why are why is this football team come back in this game because it was it was such a not good game for the for the football team offensively and then they eventually found to get things going but it kind of felt like it was like it wasn't yet garbage time that they were producing but it felt pretty close to garbage time when they finally started producing but something i noticed about russell wilson is when he runs he kind of looks slow to me he's not one of those like runners that looks fast dalvin cook looks fast russell wilson like he Probably had like a, I think it was like a 30 plus yard run, and he mm-hmm. looked slow. I assumed he I assumed he was running very fast, but he looked mm-hmm. incredibly slow to me. But again, Russell Wilson did not play well. Helped win fantasy, Dennis not start him, start Ryan Tannehill. Thank you to Mark Schoenster and Manny. But he hasn't had a 300 yard game since the Bills game, which was November 8th. Uh, Only two games since that game, he's had multiple passing touchdowns and every game before them, he had multiple passing touchdowns in those games. And I think that's huge. I think because we've talked about it, he's got to be on and I don't think he's turning things up. I think he's yeah, that Jets game, but you've got Rams and 49ers coming up and I don't think. He's going to be able to turn it on in all honesty. And I think that's what they need. The only good thing is that the Rams lost and now they have a home game. And if they can keep that, I think they can win a playoff game. But if they don't have a home game, I'm not so sure that the Seahawks are going to win a playoff game at this time.
1: Big game this next week. They play the Rams in uh, what's it now? Lumen Field. It's not CenturyLink anymore, but it, it's in Seattle. And those two are playing. And despite the Rams, losing if the rams win that game they have the same record and the rams would have the tiebreaker in hand going into the final week of the season so big game next week for those two seahawks have to perform
0: next one i kind of want to talk about was falcons Bucks. and obviously there's correlations to the uh the blown lead by the falcons versus the patriots and then they blew a lead they're up 24 7 i mean this one's this one's got to hurt for the Falcons, I think if you're on that team, you've got to be like, why did this happen to us again? I was like, oh, there's one of our spoiler upset games of the week that hurts playoff implications and seeding. But the Bucks are four and three this year when falling behind by at least 10 points. They were two and 35 in those games with Jameis Winston. And they just don't give up. And I think that's a lot of credit is due to that offense and especially Tom Brady.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that's huge what he's done. Just I think the the culture he's rapidly changed in all honesty. I know it's not all due to him and they've brought in better pieces that Jameis Winston didn't have, but he has changed that team that comes back in a game like this that really wouldn't have come back in a game like this if they had a different quarterback like Winston
1: well I feel like it's an it's an absolute switch because I know you don't want to give all the credit to Tom Brady but think about this if there is one word to describe Jameis Winston I think composed is one of the last thing that comes to my head not he's not a composed quarterback on the other side maybe the number one trait Tom Brady has is composure. And so when he gets down, he doesn't change. And so that reflects, that can, that can leave an effect on a team when you're down 10 points and Tom Brady's still on the bench doing the exact same thing he'd be doing if they were up 10 points. You know, he's on his clipboard. He's talking very enthusiastically. He's, he's talking to his teammates, all that. Whereas Jameis Winston might be on the bench, you know, uh, maybe losing his cool a little bit not getting angry, but like you could tell that he's upset that their team is behind 10 points and he feels the pressure to get them back in. Whereas Tom Brady, I don't... Tom Brady has trained himself to not feel that pressure. He just does his thing and he does it over and over and over again. So I think that is a pretty significant difference between the two. Now, I want to throw this out real quick. I don't understand why teams and articles and highlight reels keep saying insert team comes back to beat the Falcons because at this point it's not that remarkable I think the Falcons have had the lead just about every game they've played this season (laughs) I don't I don't think that there is any point at this point in in emphasizing the fact that a team had a comeback win over the Falcons because Atlanta was up 17 nothing and I was like oh wow Atlanta doing well I wonder if they're gonna blow it again like literally that's just what pops into my head it's the same with the Lions it's the same with the Chargers at this point which is pretty tragic if you're any of those fan bases. But I mean, I I just don't think it's that remarkable that they came back because especially when you have Tom Brady on your team, it's it's become a Falcons brand now. And I know they're trying to get away from it with Raheem Morris,
0: but an interim coach can't do but so much during a season. And the Bucs still don't scare me at this point. Currently, they're lined up to play, I believe, the Seahawks. Which is kind of interesting because I think both mm-hmm. those teams were at the beginning of the year, I thought that possibly the two scariest teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. But now there's I do not I'm not scared of them whatsoever. I think you can lose to them just because the NFC's that type of conference this year. Yeah. But I'm not going to that game frightened if I'm an opposing team. Yeah. Bears, Vikings, the Bears are back to winning ugly games. And I think... I don't know if this one could be considered ugly. You don't think it's ugly? I don't think it's ugly. It's not entirely polished, but I think
1: this looks a little different than it was before.
0: I think a big thing possibly is David Montgomery. I mean, he's turned around of late. He's three of the last four games over 100 yards. And he is helping them, I guess, not win as ugly because he's establishing a run that Mm -hmm. they haven't had which is going to help someone like Trubisky
1: yeah I mean I remember pointing out when Montgomery had over 100 yards against the Packers and I thought wow this is condemning for the Packers defense because Montgomery's been terrible all season and this run defense really is bad but since that game Montgomery's played great he's now had two phenomenal games back-to-back My fantasy team is very, uh, very excited about this random uh, outbreak coincidentally in fantasy football playoff time, but (laughs) it's helping me, but yeah, he's, he's come back and he's looking like the David Montgomery that we watched destroy West Virginia two years ago in college football when he played for Iowa state, he's just running and he's not going down. He's not the kind of guy who, even though he did it against the Texans last week, he's not typically the guy who's going to break off a 60-yard run, but he is the guy who's going to run three yards, make contact, and then barrel down for four more yards and make it an eight-yard gain. Uh, that's just how he is as a runner. He's violent. He's hard to bring down and a very bare style. And if you can establish the run, suddenly your offense is unlocked. To, to the uh, to the capability of doing a lot of other things no matter who your quarterback is and so Mitch Trubisky is definitely benefiting from that because now Mooney who I still think is a great receiver I and mean, the underrated is getting open Allen Robinson who's fantastic is making plays it, it opens up everything because if you have to worry about Montgomery then you have to then there's less time to to mess up Trubisky and that's helping him out a lot because now he's not target number one anymore. Because beforehand, the idea was just mess up the quarterback and you win. But now, target number one is slow down Montgomery. So then we have to force the quarterback to win the game, which is a lot of harder of a task. Um, I think this is a different Bears team than they were earlier in the season. And the fact that they dropped, what, 33 points or something like that uh, yesterday, uh, I can uh, check myself here. Uh, yeah, 33, exactly um is is not something they were doing earlier in the year so i think this bears team is doing really well it might be too little too late they do get a pretty much a free win next week against the jaguars but maybe it's not free since you know the rams just happened but um going into a final week game against the packers which could end up being critical to you know who makes the playoffs and if the packers get the number one seed
0: David Montgomery is kind of finally becoming a guy that I feel like we were promised because mm-hmm. last year he was a dud. I remember he was hyped up on the football field and on the fantasy side and basically became nothing and hasn't really done anything till later this season. And if that happens, I think he will change the bears because they need a run game to thrive now and in the postseason. But at this time, I know, I believe it was a week or two ago you asked if you were more scared about playing the Vikings or the Cardinals in the playoffs. That's kind of changed since the Bears won yesterday. But would you rather play the the Bears or the Cardinals? Um,
1: One plays a playoff brand of football. Running the ball is very playoffs and you have a good defense. But – and this can segue, if you want, into the Cardinals game. What the Cardinals have done these past two weeks looks like what they could have been doing earlier in the year when they were looking good then and more scary then. I don't want to play the Cardinals right now. Um, Kyler Murray is still a conundrum for defenses to figure out. Got some good offensive weapons. Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake both are capable running backs. And the pass rush has suddenly appeared for this Cardinals team. Granted, you played two NFC East teams, one of them notorious for allowing sacks in the Eagles, but the Cardinals just weren't doing that earlier in the year. And now you've had two straight games where your pass rush has uh, not only dominated, but in the case of the Eagles game, what helped you win the football game, like made plays when they needed to make plays is absolutely huge. Uh, Two names that people need to be talking about now are Hassan Reddick and Dennis Gardek, both outside linebackers who are starting to really tear it up right now. And a pass rush is a great way to beat a team better than you because a pass rush can just stop an offense. That's how the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl when the Patriots were 18-0. and 0. And even though the Patriots were obviously a, a overall better football team than New York, if you can create a pass rush and just completely knock the quarterback off his game that's scary especially if you're the number 2 seed right now and your name is the New Orleans Saints and, <laughs> and Drew Brees just had an off game and now you have to face a pass rush that's hot right now like that's that's concerning especially for a Saints team prone to choke or have bad things happen to them in the playoffs can you imagine them being the first two seed to ever lose to a seven seed? Like, I mean, the Cardinals are exactly that kind of team too.
0: Let's talk about the the Cardinals-Eagles game. I do think the Cardinals are getting things going. I'm not sure they'll keep it going because they've got 49ers and Rams left. I know the Rams just put out biggest dud of the season from from a lot of teams perspectives but this cardinals team i think can beat anyone because i guess mark do you think their their floor is very high or you think it's just their their ceilings very high
1: their ceiling is high this team is has dropped a dud or two talking about the cardinals um they Kyler Murray just brings such a challenge element to a game. And if he's just having a great day and the fact that he yesterday played really well, despite using his legs a lot through for a career high, 400 something yards. That's huge because that means you can't entirely focus on read option. You also have to focus on him as a passer, which is pretty fearsome. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, that's not cool. So the Cardinals, if we look at this, I, I'm going to take a look at their their next two games. Um, let's say they beat the Niners and lose to the Rams and the Bears went out. The tiebreaker does belong to Chicago in that facet. I think... I think that the Cardinals only need to win one of these two games, the 49ers and the Rams in order to make the playoffs. Cause I don't think the bears will beat the Packers the final week of the season, unless the Packers already have the one seed locked up, which would be tragic for the Cardinals because then they just know <laughs> that the bears probably get a free win. So unless the Packers decide to play spoiler to their rivals, I don't know. we don't, we don't, I don't think, I don't think Matt LaFleur is that low. Um, But regardless, I think this Cardinals team can beat the Niners. I'm pretty confident they will. And the Rams can always drop a dud. They're prone to it. It's now becoming a thing that they just do. They just lay eggs against bad football teams. An injured Niners team, 0-13 Jets team, they're prone to it. So – I, th- I like the Cardinals' chances to make the playoffs. I said if they won yesterday that I really like their chances to make the playoffs, and I'm going to sit on that. I think that the Cardinals are probably your seven seed in the NFC, barring disaster.
0: It's kind of funny that Bears fans probably should cheer for the Packers this coming weekend <laughs> against the Titans, so they can't mm-hmm. play. Uh, probably I I assume you would rest your players. Who who knows what they would do in that scenario? But you gotta. Yeah, I think you would. I guess I we haven't been really in that scenario with Matt LaFleur. So mm-hmm. he seems like a guy that's willing to rest people. But Cardinals, I guess my, my question is the NFC West. I know they have a really good shot at having three teams in the playoffs, Mark. Mm-hmm. Do you still fall on them being the best division in football right now? Or... Cause they kind of feel like such a weird, their, their teams are like, they don't have a top tier team anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. They have a ton of teams in the playoffs, but they just feel like so up and down all of them.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I feel like there's no other answer to this question. I mean, the Packers are not in an, an awful division. The Vikings are decent. The bears are decent and the lions are okay. Uh, But outside of that, I mean, they're looking at, I'm like, I'm running through all the divisions in my head. And I just feel like the West is the only one that I have an answer as this is the most competitive, the toughest, the best division. And it would be worse if the 49ers were healthy because 49ers, given how the season has panned out for the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals, if they were healthy, the 49ers may still be the best team in that division. So I, I'm still on the bandwagon that the NFC West is the best division in the NFL as it stands, but obviously that could always change. And uh, I mean, I think the AFC West is also up there in contention, or like it could be soon. I mean, not right now, but could be soon. And I just don't think there are any other better answers right uh, at this very moment.
0: Last game I want to talk about before I had a a playoff question was Dolphins, Patriots, the Dolphins finally, you know, sealed off the Patriots and Patriots are not making the playoffs, Mark. That is, that's huge for us. We've never really experienced that.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember last year soaking in the division around thinking, (laughs) man, it has been 10 years. That the Patriots have been in the divisional round. This is so crazy. I could just sit back and enjoy the playoffs, no matter what happens. This is great. I don't have to stress about it. And now I can watch the entire playoffs without the Patriots. This is great. Now, granted, I still have to watch Tom Brady. So some of my some of my rivalry, some of my young young born rivalry with Tom Brady and the Patriots is still there. But this is gonna be fun because I don't have to worry about any of that. The most boring thing is that the chiefs win the super bowl again. And I think that's pretty great. Uh, Okay. The Steelers, I'm not a big Steelers fan, Um, but outside of that, I I think that this is, this is a pretty refreshing to say the least. I I would like to say this. The AFC is going to have a heartbreaker because I think that every team pushing for the playoffs right now, one team that deserves to be in the playoffs is not going to make it. And they're going to have a winning record and they're going to sit Outside looking in. And I'm just trying to think of which team would it be the most disappointing for? Would it be the Colts, whom picked up Phillip Rivers, have a great defense and were neck and neck with the Titans all year, only to lose the division and lose a playoff spot? Would it be the Browns, who have not been in the playoffs in forever and have had some great runs and suddenly they are on the outside looking in? Is it the Dolphins whom have had quite a strifesome year? and uh you got you brought Tua in and he's doing his magic he's trying to win your team in the playoffs on top of special teams and defensive play whereas the ravens whom were supposed to be one of the best teams in the nfl coming into the year and now they're on the outside looking in outside on all of them i think the dolphins would be the least hurt by missing the playoffs and they're probably the most likely to but man i want them in the playoffs i honestly if i had to pick a team i i don't know it's tough because i want all of them in the playoffs but um regardless it's going to be disappointing for one of those teams to miss and i hate to be that fan base because you've played well enough to be in the playoffs and you're just not going to get in
0: especially since i think all those teams are going to be double digit win teams yeah Ravens sitting at nine Dolphins sitting at nine i i I think both those teams will at least win one more game which Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It it really does suck. I I, I think I agree that the Dolphins would probably be hurt the least because I didn't expect them to be here at the end. I doubt their fans did. Uh I think the Browns would be pretty devastating. The the Ravens. I think that would be the worst one. Yeah, I think so. Cause you're you're finally getting so excited. You're having a phenomenal year. The Ravens would suck as well because you're expecting to probably be a, probably the two seed in all honesty going into mm-hmm. this year possibly the one if you're buying into the uh, you're drinking the Kool-Aid and, and reading mm-hmm. everything about Ravens. But before we go, Mark, right now, I want to ask out of the wild card teams in the AFC and then the NFC, who do you think could win? You got win a game. Browns would go against the Titans Colts against the bills and dolphins against the Steelers. Who would you pick to win? Well, the Browns beat the Titans a couple of weeks
1: ago. I think they're the best chance. I wouldn't want to play the Bills right now if I'm a Colts fan. And I don't know if Miami has everything it takes to beat that Steelers defense. I think, I think they could do enough to slow down Tua and do enough. That would be a pretty fun game, though. But I'd probably take the Browns there.
0: In the NFC, we've got Rams football team. Pretty interesting one bucks seahawks which i think is very interesting because i yeah. just don't know if both those teams it just depends who shows up to be honest and you got mm-hmm. cardinal saints
1: i could see any of the card teams winning but i'll go with rams football team because i think the way the rams would lose is if they have a bad day but on a good day i think the rams win and I think that's more likely than them losing. Whereas the Buccaneers, I could see upsetting the Seahawks and I could see the Cardinals upsetting the Saints. But I I, I probably err on the home team side there.
0: All righty. Well, two more weeks, Mark, and we're into yeah. to the playoffs. It's an exciting time and exciting two more weeks. I mean, especially on the AFC. I mean, even oh on the NFC, goodness. it's exciting. We've got some big implications going down for the one seed if something mm-hmm. crazy happens, I mean, if Packers lose this week, the Bears win this week, that's going to be an important game because <laughs> Bears will be fighting for the playoffs and Packers fine for the one seed. So we, we've got plenty more football left and exciting football. But that's going to wrap it up for today's show. First and Moose on United to the Moose. Thank you for listening.